Footy Live's AFL Funnels coverage is brought to you by British Paints. Procrastinating on a paint project? The fear of mucking up can strike at any time. Fight the FOMU with British Paints. From first-time painters to seasoned home improvement gurus, you can get a great result on your exterior project with British Paints Four Seasons. It's easy to apply with a finished design to last and last. That's why it comes with a 25-year guarantee. So get started today and fight the FOMU with British Paints. And now, it's time to talk footy. There is nothing more 2020, ladies and gentlemen, than two Victorian teams playing in an AFL grand final in a different state whilst their fans and followers watch on from their television screens at a night primetime slot. Speaking of primetime, we're back and with me to break down the greatest day in an AFL season, grand final day, is Big Bustling Baz on this early public holiday morning. How you doing, mate? Is it the uh, greatest day in AFL football if your teams are in it? Surely it's still, you know, the celebration of football. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've kind of lost interest in it now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after uh, starting the final season with a bang and then uh, 50-50 second week and getting duck eggs last week. I've uh, got some egg on my face, especially with Richmond, who I rid off early, early in the year. And uh, they've bounced back and, and played some decent footy and been a bit lucky that the opposition haven't taken their chances and had composure because, yeah, obviously... We're about to go into what happened last weekend, but I think Port kind of shot himself in the foot, so. Great segue as always, mate. Let's get into it. What just happened? The bad beats and big wins of preliminary final weekend. And as you just mentioned, Port Adelaide 6-4-40 were defeated at home by Richmond 6-10-46. And yes, it was a bit of a sense of they shot themselves in the foot. Um, you're a big fan of expected scores. What do you? What was the tail of the tape in that game? Did Port choke, or did Richmond just legitimately win a prelim that they were, they were probably going to win based on the team that they've been for the last four years? I think Port lost all composure with the footy. They just played some like real dumb and silly stuff and. Especially going inside 50, they were just horrendous. Like, the amount of times I saw – so we saw against Brisbane, uh, Brisbane took away a run of Richmond's best weapons, and that was their intercept mark in, defense, you know, in their defence. They didn't have one intercept mark against, against Brisbane. They, they had about four or five in that last quarter, and Big Nank stood up, and it's a cardinal sin that you know, I was actually speaking to one of the boys who I, I've coached and um, – he still plays now down at the footy club. And I said, you know how much I used to crack it when there was a defensive 50 mark from an, a, an opposition player that's contested? He goes, yeah. I said, imagine what Ken Hinckley was thinking last night. Because that's just, it's, when you got a bloke like Charlie Dixon and you got, you know, Laddams was playing forward or Lysette and you know, even Marshall and stuff like that, it's just, it's unforgivable that the ball didn't come to the ground. When the ball did come to the ground. They looked really dangerous and too quick for Richmond defensively. So uh, up forward. Um, so yeah, they have 59 inside 50, 16 or 15 more than what Richmond had. Um, to have the game mainly on their terms, especially in that first quarter, quarter and a half, and they weren't able to just they weren't able to hit a target going inside 50. Even when they had no pressure whatsoever and had open targets, and just still able to. When Robbie Gray missed that goal in the first quarter, I was like, oh, I think this, this, this could be the tail of the tape here. And Richmond then just overwhelmed them and were able to make the most of their scoring opportunities. And, um, you know, there was a few, there was some interesting umpiring on the night. And 
did it cost Port a goal? Yeah, it did, but it probably got him one or two as well. So, yeah, look, I think, don't get me wrong, Richmond played good footy and, and won the game and they deserve to be in another grand final. But <laughs> looking at the last few weeks where they've, I think there's a bit, they've got away with it a bit against St Kilda and Port Adelaide, but they've been, I suppose you can't, you know, you can't go back or what should have, could have, would have kind of thing. But, mm. you know, you, if you did go back and have a look at the stats, like I said, I talk about this a lot. When you go back and look at stats and not actually watch the game, you go, how does that team win? And I reckon there'll be a lot of that going on. Uh, and if I was Porter, I'd be reviewing this game and saying, look, where's the, where's the composure here? Where, like, some of their best kickers, ball users, were just kicking to three Richmond blokes inside defensive, their 450. So... Yeah, it was just un, and they got smashed at the clearances. It's something that Port Adelaide have been really good at all year. Big body mids. Richmond's been really poor at. You know, Port Adelaide one of the best teams. You know, at scoring from stoppages, and they got smashed on the night. So it would be an opportunity missed, I reckon, for Port. So if you're Ken Hinckley, how do you approach the, the post game and the off season? Do you use this as a mantra or a highlight? Do you take this moment and go, "We went to the prelim, we didn't quite, we didn't make the grand final. Next year's about you know going one step further." Or do you completely ignore the fact that obviously they lost, so you know they, they weren't the best team of the day, but throughout the season the system that they had employed seemed to work. It 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 sold us. We we bought into Port Adelaide and said this is the style of football that can win football games in this current mode of AFL. So just Ken Hinckley say I'm going to back myself in, or does he say this this needs some tweaking because when it came to the absolute crunch, it didn't work against a team that has time to prep against us against a team that's been the best team in the comp for four years? Well, 100%, 100% the game style works. And you, you obviously going to tweak it a little bit. But they just, like I said, I'll be reviewing the tape and saying, all right, stop it here. You've kicked it there. Why? Why? Look at look at these blokes standing here all by themselves. Because I'll tell you, what, what happens if there's five, like, I think it was Hamish Hartlett kicked it in the last five minutes inside you know, four fifty kicked at the three Richmond blokes standing there. Where's the three Port Adelaide blokes? If they're behind the footy, then you know they should be pushing forward and especially across higher forward trying to be used. Or there's three blokes somewhere standing on their own side four fifty. So I think it's just a lot of that decision making sort of stuff. I, you know, I've heard that you know they they got to make the most of what like like they got Butters, Dersma, Rosie all showed. You know how good they are, especially in finals. Like they, all three of them stood up in their first finals prep. They've got a top ten pick from last year that hasn't played. I think he played maybe played one or two games this year, but hasn't played yet. They've got another academy player coming this year. It's apparently all built up to be going. I've seen enough from George Artis to say that he's going to be a pretty handy player. And they've got some other kids that are just floating around as well that you know probably get more opportunities now that the Ebits are out and probably one or two others. I saw Sutcliffe retired as well, so. Yeah, I think that Port are still on the upward trajectory and wouldn't surprise me if they were somewhat aggressive at the trade table looking for maybe another ball user off halfback or a, maybe another tall uh, or they were trying to recruit a tall. But, then, you know, Matthew Scharenberg's available. I think he could definitely fit into their system pretty well. So I, I reckon Port are still a top four side next year and who knows, maybe next year's the year for them. They might go that step or two further. And I think the old saying used to be you had to lose a grand funnel to win a grand funnel. I think at the moment the teams that get there in their first grand funnel in a while, their first grand funnel ever, and then get done on the day 
suffer a lot more than they do if they suffer if they suffer that loss in the prelim. So I think this could be a blessing in disguise. And we have seen this model where you get to the prelim one you you don't make it and then you kick on from there. But in upon reflection of the actual season gradings, is this a fail for Port or is it a, is it a pass because they they did what they needed to do. They got to finals. They got made they well minor premiers. They yeah, made top 4. They played in two home finals. Well, not many people to have them in the top four. No. Well, I know we did. Mm. Um, so I, for me, I think it's a pass. It's probably an A or a B plus. The only thing I, I, I really, I, I'm obviously disappointed with the way they finished that game and how they played. But I think not having the hub and getting to you know live their life and not have what Richmond and Brisbane and other teams have gone through and having a home ground advantage most week, it probably takes a bit. I probably would have been an AA plus, even though they got knocked. But because of the hard experience and they don't didn't have to do that, and they had it a lot easier than all the other teams, I I've marked them back a bit on that. And then in terms of next year, what's their benchmark? Our prediction is they'll be a top four side again. Does it need to be premiership or bust? Are they now, you know, in that big big club territory? If they get if they get to a prelim or a grand final, that's that's I reckon that's pretty good for them. Yeah. If they win one, that's awesome. But they need to be at a minimum where they got to this year. Yeah. Because I expect them, like, so they're probably going to lose a couple of experienced players and they're going to play some more kids, but they've got some exciting talent. I expect, you know, kids like Butters to play a lot more midfield time and Rose will probably get the same sort of thing. And, you know, Dersma's going to keep developing. So is Georgiata. So you're going to expect them to step up and obviously that taken forward another step. The second of the prelim finals was nowhere near as exciting. Brisbane 6-6-42, defeated by Geelong 11-16-82. Where did it all fall apart for Brisbane, Bez? I couldn't believe watching that game. I, I, was I watching a different team? It looked like the team that rocked up round one against Hawthorne mm. in Brisbane. They, they obviously, in all honesty, I, I, they must have thought that they were just going to walk in and get, get to the grand final. So you think it was arrogance and not nerves? I, I, surely there's too many experience. Like it could have been nerves, but like the way they played, the lack of defensive, like the fence around the stoppages was appalling. I've never seen a team enter, uh, exit a stoppage that much from the front. If I was coaching and we had seriously that much, like they were just walking out of stoppages from the front of the stoppage as well. So the attacking side... And they had a winger sit that set up defensively. The players were getting sucked in, and they couldn't address it. Like now, that's players being uh, obviously not listening to coaching instructions, or they obviously wanted to win the footy and make a difference. But that's not playing to your team structure, and that's just I think a bit of me, me, me sort of stuff. So I was really, really disappointed and quite frustrated with how Brisbane played. And I mean, John were amazing. Don't get me wrong; like they smashed in every at. Yeah. Every facet, and they probably could have won by nearly 100 points. So, to kick straight, I'd expect the score would add them. I think it was a lot more um, bigger winning margin than what what that actually was. So, yeah, you know, pretty, and only to have 30 inside 50s for a team that averages, you know, around the 40 45 mark as well. So, their ball movement, they got smashed at the stoppages. I thought defensively, they actually held up pretty well, considering, uh, especially when they had a laid out with Gardner out, and he was probably the main matchup for, for Dangerfield. But it wouldn't. Have, I reckon it wouldn't have mattered who they had playing because their attitude and the way they went about it was just the intensity was not there. It was mm. like they did not have this. If you had, a, if you watched the Richmond Brisbane game compared to Geelong, it was like a 
like I said, it was like round one, round two earlier this year when they played Brisbane, uh, Brisbane played Hawthorne at the MCG and literally looked like they just they didn't rock up. It was so disappointing. If I, and, and again, a bit like Hinkley, I'd be showing them the tape going, what, you're going to rock up to a prelim and think you're all of a sudden into a granny? Like, that's not the attitude to have. And that, I think that goes back to, it's been, I've mentioned it a few times throughout the year where they've looked a bit, You've got a bit mouthy and got a bit arrogant on the field with a few celebrations and like, you know, throwing balls at opposition players and um, stuff like that. And I just think that a lot of their young players, a very young side, very young list with some experienced heads, obviously. And they're, you know, they're allowed to express themselves and, and they you know, be free of their, like, you know, do that sort of stuff. They're let, they're encouraged to do it, which is fine. But I think you got to actually have, the uh, accolades before you can start doing it. A bit like GWS, like we've all know, we all hear about and get told about how GWS are very, very lippy and smart when they're getting thumped every week. And they carried that on last year when they made a grand final. But again, unless you've done something. Yeah, there's no real reason to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. I was so disappointed in Brisbane. I, then, uh, you know, we'll probably talk about their, their season grade in a minute, but that almost, again, you look at their, how, they, how easy they've had it in Brisbane, no hard life, everything like that. Uh, they've been pretty lucky with injuries as well. Uh, I just reckon that, you know, and the fact that they got smashed in the ruck, like, we spoke about it before, how good Tomahawk is in the, in the Ford 50 as a, as a ruckman for Geelong. And Oscar McInerney just kept playing from behind and he's a full-time ruckman. Like, usually, like, it wasn't until Seth Martin went and took him on the day. He actually didn't didn't body him and used his athleticism to get around him. But, just, just dumb things like that and just dumb football from Brisbane. So, mm. Do you reckon the bye played any, anything into it? So everyone's talking up the fact that the pre-finals bye is affecting the flow of the team that wins in the first week and this is the first time ever that we've had third and fourth play in a grand final because basically the you know the higher-placed teams used to win prelims more often than not and they used to have a bit more consist- consistency, but now is it playing two weeks of finals football in, in four, two games of finals football in four weeks an issue? Having gone through it myself, not as a player, but as a coach, I don't, I'd probably rather play because, yeah, you do have that week off and I, you want consistency and you want to keep playing. It doesn't matter what you do at training. It's not going to replicate finals football. But then, you know, Port Adelaide rocked up pretty ready to go for mine. Mm. You know, they, they tore apart that, that first quarter, really. So, you know, did they use any excuse? I don't think so. The, the buy didn't affect, didn't affect their decision-making. The moment and the situation did. Brisbane probably it might have affected a bit more. It looked like it. Like I said, they, they were non-existent, the, the pressure and everything like that. So it might have affected them a bit more. Uh, I also just reckon that they're a young side that have taken... In the last two years, if you had said at the end of the 2018 season that in 2000. 19 and 20, they'll be playing in finals uh, and maybe in a grand final in 2020, you, a lot of people would have said you're kidding yourselves. Mm. Actually, 99% of the population would have said you're kidding yourself. So I, I, don't, I don't read too much into the buyers. There's not enough data there. But we've also had, you know, we've had the Western Bulldogs in 2016 and this year where it's thrown up anomalies. So is that because of the buy or is that just because eventually it's going to happen anyway? And I think this year with the reduced draw, yes, everyone played everyone once, which potentially is a fairer system, but it does mean there's less games. And I think looking over the over the data, where we start to get regression to the mean and normalisation of results is probably after round 17. So round 17 through to round 22, it's super easy to, to pick, to tip 
which is what we've found, which is where all your advantages is lost when it comes to, to punting. But this year we stopped. So, you know, we're, we're five rounds shorter than what we normally would be in an AFL season. And then I think potentially we've had teams outranked. So looking at, if you look at ELO rankings, you look at the, the models rankings, et cetera, et cetera, they have Geelong and Richmond as the top two sides in the competition, not Brisbane and Port Adelaide. So is the reality that Brisbane and Port Adelaide were, were actually the third and fourth ranked teams and the actual two best teams are now in the grand final? I don't care what anyone says. You go look at the stats. Port were definitely top two. Richmond, again, like they've done like West Coast did in 2018. West Coast were nowhere near. You look at the key five indicators that you need to win a flag. They weren't there until they actually started playing finals and they just managed it. And they've been ordinary at it ever since. Mm. And Richmond have had, you know, their problems and they probably ticked most of them last week against Port, which stiff for Port because, but they still allowed, you know, 60 inside 50. So Richmond have been allowing that all year and, you know, it's, it's cost them games, but they've also been somehow been able to win games. I suppose you can look at it both ways. I think Richmond have been very lucky with a lot of their games, but I suppose that's just clutch and just experience and knowing what they need to do to win games. And there's an element out, yeah, outside the stats for Richmond, it seems, because as you said, look at the, the stats of that Port Adelaide game, and if you didn't watch the game, you'd go, I don't know how Richmond won this. There's been so many games throughout Richmond's dynasty history that you go, I'm not quite sure how they won this based on the numbers, but you watch the game and it's quite obvious. It's the chaos football, it's the pressure... It's this group mentality. It's a it's a team first, team focused game style that you don't need to do all the things that you needed to do to win football games. It used to be about contested football. Well, they don't usually win that. It used to be about clearances. They don't win those normally, but they have this final series. It used to be about you know setting up plethora of e- easy shots at goal. They don't really do that either. They seem to just try and win forward half football and and surge it forward and. It, it works and no one can really explain it except for obviously Richmond and they're not, not going to tell us because then everyone will know. So, and, and But we've seen other clubs try to emulate it and they've failed mm. miserably like New Melbourne's and stuff like that. Like you, you got like literally the only stat that Richmond won on the weekend was clearances. Every other contested ball, uncontested ball, disposals, um, uncontested marks, marks, hit outs, you know, tackles, shots on goal, inside 50, or shots on goal, sorry, Richmond one, but yeah, inside 50 is like, it's just, how they, how they do it is, uh, good on, good, good luck to, uh, good on them. But if you're, a, you know, a bloke that likes data like me, I, I use certain indicators, as you know, and I, and it's worked for me the last few years, don't get me wrong, so, but this year I got it wrong, and, uh, you know, last year was all about Richmond. This year I wasn't, uh, it's a bit more in the bum, and I'm, I'm happy to cop it as well, so, as you know, I'm very, very happy to cop it when I'm wrong. I think if you're going to lay the argument that I was wrong, you need to also have uh, not just tunnel one-eyed vision. So speaking of being wrong, what's the grade then for Brisbane? Because the prelim, they didn't make the granny. Is it progression as normal or was it another mischance? Again, I, a bit like Paul, I would have had them probably an A, B plus, but because of the hub experience, they don't have to do with that. And they had able to train and do whatever they wanted. I, I, I almost go back to a B minus C. They should, they should they should be like it was all set up for them. It was very much Brisbane's premiership for the taking, especially playing at a home grand final, which you don't ever get. But hundred percent. And so next year, what happens here? Do they have a GWS type decline, or do they just keep progressing and better and better things for Brisbane? They should finish top and almost win it. They 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 that'd be my favourites. If they pick up Joe Danaher and um, there's one or two others they're rumoured to get. 
They've also got the same um, list management strategy as Hawthorne and, and Geelong. So they're not overpaying players to get them in and stuff like that. So I reckon, yeah, if, if they recruit what's what's meant to happen and with what's happened this year and what they've been able to do the last two years, if they don't win it next year, it's a massive fail. They're my, they're my 221 premiership favourites. They've got the last two years of experience, you know, losses in finals and they've played finals now that they should really just be one of the, the best team next year. I can hear everyone yelling into my headphones right now. Why are you talking so much about the losers? Well, because we're a bit of the losers too. These are the two teams that we had in the grand final. This was the the grand final matchup that we had predicted around round six. We were quietly confident through to vocally confident and then it all came crashing down last weekend. So we are just having our little moment of uh, of self-pity and, um, <laughs> and uh, self-wallowing and trying to believe in the stats still whilst two teams that we kind of put a pencil through a long time ago came to bit us back on the bum. But we will get to that grand funnel preview, which is happening tomorrow right now. Richmond are hosting Geelong at the Gabba. 7.30 tomorrow night, a night grand funnel for the first time ever. Richmond are $1.84 favourites. Geelong, $2.05 outsiders. The line here is a slender two and a half points. The over-under, quite promising, actually, for a Richmond game, 117 points. Now, will it be three flags in four years, Baz, for the Tigers, or can the cat send off the son of God the flag? I don't know if you can hear the pain in my voice, but I was, I was really hoping, it's probably bad as it sounds and it's probably unethical and stuff, but I was hoping that COVID would break out throughout the Richmond Geelong camps. So this grand final got cancelled and didn't have to go ahead because both both fans are unbearable. Um, they're not my most hated teams because like, obviously Melbourne and uh, St Kilda are higher, but they're up there. Supporters are almost unbearable. I just don't know who to tip, but I, I'm looking at it. I keep looking at it, and I keep going back to the last time they played. And I know both teams are missing players. And I look at it, it's going to be probably a dewy night. There's meant to be a bit of rain around, although I think the rain's moved from Saturday to Sunday. Geelong have had two pretty easy finals, to be fair, leading up. And I still don't know where they're at when it comes to the under the crunch. Like, they're going to be real nervous, real feel the pressure, because they, they've been under the pump to get here, and, like, Danger field, you know, and the, the story behind it all, it almost adds to the pressure where almost Richmond have gone in underdogs almost. Like they haven't had the the build up they probably would have had last year or the year before when they made it the first time. It's all been a bit about Geelong and, you know, you know even Tom Hawkins, you know, Tom Hawkins getting sick during the week. So I just reckon that this, this isn't going to hurt. I reckon Richmond are going to provide a pretty boring grand final again like last year and just flog Geelong. Because yeah, they get off to a good start, then all, the, all of a sudden the the ghosts and the pressure and the all, everything that's been building up on Geelong could just just arise. And like, I, I look at Geelong's bottom six and like Myers and stuff like that, like, like I'm sorry, like, yeah, I know he's playing for football, but spare me. Even last week when there was no pressure in the game, like the amount of fumbles and missed kicks he had, like here's someone, that, and there's a few, like Rowan doesn't do much in finals. I know he had kicked two last week late, but, there's players there that if Richmond are smart and they put someone who's pretty attacking and like a good player on it, they're going to start second guessing what they should be doing. Should I be watching Hooley or should I be going to get the footy kind of thing? Because they can be damaging. Mm. Who who mans up on Dusty? We know how good Dusty is. If Richmond win, Dusty wins at the norm. I don't care what anyone says. The only other person to take it off him would be a big forward. Oh, I just can't see how Richmond don't flog Geelong. And that bottom six is concerning for Geelong. So if you look at the AFL player rankings, and yes, it's a it's a flawed system, but yeah, their bottom six or bottom four of Buse, Kalajasny, Henderson, and Simpson. 
Then you throw in the likes of, of Rowan. That bottom five for is not very scary. Mark O'Connor as well. Versus Richmond's bottom five, Asprey, Castagna, Broad, Bolter, Pickett. And even you take out, if you start picking out on these player rankings and, you know, head-to-heads and the battles that will happen, you know, Dusty and Patrick Dangerfield, they probably level out. Then you've got the likes of, you know, Menengola, Selwood, Duncan, Stanley, Blitzarves. Do they stack up against Edwards, Prestia, Lambert, Cochin and Nankervis? Well, I think Nankervis now, we kind of have to admit, seems to be the Richmond Ruckman that they need. You might not like him, you might not rate him, but it seems to work. He's dead set done and Brad Alton's in Clark and Clark Keating, this bloke in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Just rocked up for final football and turned into a new man. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Rich, uh, what Geelong do because I know Harry Taylor and Henderson have been like, good for him down back, but they're not going to get the same. They're not going to be able to slow Richmond down like they generally do. So are they going to have the capability to stop Lynch and Rewalt? And like, Nate, Nate, like Blixar's, like, we saw this last year when Blixar's played in a ruck and the wing then had to go down back because he, they just didn't have any. Like Blixar surely has to play back. Mm. He's like the... So that means all of a sudden Scott's already changing the way he looks, but is he going to do that? And, and Danger, like he has to play midfield for these guys to win. They're not going to beat – like Joel Selwood's got one hand pretty much. They're not going to beat the – I reckon Joel Selwood will end up tagging someone. Like maybe he goes to a Dusty because he's going to be – you know, I can't see line for line, and this hurts me to say because I know I've written off Richmond all year, but like they're just a better side all around than Geelong, and I just reckon that the storyline and everyone's – put a bit of hate against Richmond this year because they've been knobs and they deserve it. So, and I reckon that's just a bit of fuel, extra bit of fuel for Richmond to use. So seriously, I, I watched Geelong win now and just make an absolute dick of me again. But. Well, there is an angle to see that Geelong wins and it's on your favourite stat of the year and that's expected score. So their expected score per shot, Geelong outranks Richmond. On their percentage of expected score gained this season, so the difference between what they actually kicked versus what they should have kicked Geelong is the best team in the competition. So not only did they get the good looks, they actually capitalised on the good looks, and we've seen that in the last two weeks. Yes, there were blowouts. Yes, there were easier funnels and in inverted commas, but that's because they actually converted the scores that they got. Richmond are about mid-pack for that on capitalising on their expected score this season in 2020. You look at goal accuracy from harder shots. So if it's do we if it's going to be close, which you don't think, you think it's going to be an absolute Richmond massacre, but – Let's say that this game gets close and it comes down to accuracy. Then Geelong is a far more accurate goal-kicking side from those tougher angles. So from 30 out, from 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 beyond 25% degrees of the, of the boundary, Geelong have Richmond covered in that. So if it gets to clutch moments from goal-kicking alone and capitalising on expected scores, then I think Geelong has the advantage there. I also think you look at others, you look at all the stats that Richmond – Teams that Richmond usually struggle against, Geelong has them. So Geelong has this kick mark type of mentality. Geelong has this possession first mentality. Geelong has the tempo football that Richmond suffers against. The one side that Richmond couldn't beat in the last, you know, four years basically when they were at full strength was Collingwood. Geelong plays Collingwood style football or Collingwood plays Geelong style football. I don't know who who invented it first. (laughs) But, and you look at last year's prelim, it was working then as well. So Richmond did something magical to get out of that situation and get to the grand final last year against this very team. This Geelong has been arguably the second best team for the last four years. They've finished on top. They've been in finals. They just haven't got to the grand final to lose there. Instead, they've been losing prior to that, and they finally got over that this year. They did it the hard way. They had the consistency. And no, they got over it. 
well, they've won the games. Is that is that not getting over it? Yeah, They're the here Kong now. The Collingwood and Brisbane didn't rock up. They still they didn't even they didn't even leave the hotel rooms. But you can say the same. You just said the same for for Port Adelaide, and you said the same for St Kilda the week before for Richmond. No, they were in the game at least. They at least you know winning stats and actually creating scoring shots on the inside fifties. Collingwood and Brisbane weren't doing either. Look, the only the only other thing that I see Geelong being really good at and have done for like, I think defensive um, 50 chain. So for Richmond to transition the ball from their defensive 50 to inside 50, they, they, they allow like pretty much none. Like it's mm-hmm. just like an absurd um, stat. Like they've allowed, like, I think it was like five for the final series or something stupid like that. So does that make like Richmond generally do that pretty well? They slingshot from defensive half from the defensive half. So that's to me one interesting stat whether Geelong can continue that because if they can continue that, then they pretty much stop Richmond from scoring as well, which then plays obviously back into their hands. But I just, I don't know, I just see that Richmond is too strong all over and just have that mentality and that like we saw when when Brisbane brought that pressure early and when Port Adelaide brought that pressure against Geelong and Richmond definitely bring that sort of pressure there. They attack the boy, attack the player. They go a bit dirty sometimes. That that sort of intensity does worry Geelong, especially their middle to lower tier players. We like again, we saw it in against play. They just go to water when it's when they're under the pump. So, you know, Simpson's not going to get an easy run like, at it like he did last week. You just look at these players and you go, well, I know who I'd rather be backing in. I am surprised that the odds are as as close as they are, and I'm also surprised. You look at all the statistical modelling. So the squiggles of the world, our very own, the model who I think will take the lead coming into the grand final weekend. All of the systems and all of the stats suggest that Geelong should be favourites. You reckon Geelong should be favourites? Well, that's, I, don't, I don't believe that. I think Richmond deserve to be favourites. They've been there, done it many times over. But off all the you know ELO rankings and all the other modellings and all the other expected score letters and everything else we look at from a statistical and analytical point of view, everyone seems to be leaning towards Geelong. That's because Richmond haven't been ticking off any of the stat indicators that people use for their for their rankings, which is what I've been talking about all year. But it doesn't matter because they're still in the grand final. <laughs> oh god! Which I think is a, a nice way to end our analysis of the game, saying that basically you can't do it. You can't do it to Richmond. They've broken the matrix. They've broken football. None of it makes any sense. And uh, expect them to win. Basically, is what we're saying. We've got to do the obvious ones. We've already told you who's going to win. That's going to be Richmond paying a dollar uh, eighty odd, probably by the time we get to the game tomorrow. But who would be your pick for the Norm Smith Medal if it's not Dusty? Because no one wants to have a dabble on Dusty because that's just boring. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, the obvious ones probably from going back for last year is, is Basha Hooley. So I'll, I'll give you my top. I'll give you a top th- four. If Richmond win, I think it's going to be obviously Dusty, Hooley, someone like a Shane Edwards or even a, a Rioli. Um, if, if Geelong managed to pull it off, it would be, be foolish not to say Gary Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, Paddy Dangerfield would have to have a massive game. Um, Cam Guthrie's probably the smoky. And even Sam Menengola. Um, I was surprised he didn't get more Brownlow votes uh, the other night because he's had an out, out, you know, just a really good season. 
uh, and really consistent, plays his role really, really well. And he picks up his 20-odd touches and usually kicks a goal or two as well. So, look, if I was to pick pick two to put money on, I'm probably going uh, Dusty and Rioli. Could it be a game for a big power forward? Is this the ultimate troll this year would be Tom Lynch winning, winning Norm Smith? And kicking six or seven. Yeah. I could definitely see it happening because I don't think – I don't think either Henderson or Taylor can go with him or Rewalt for that matter if if they're getting service. I mean, I don't reckon any any defender could go with them, but yeah, if they're getting decent supply, I can't see it. Unless Blixas goes back, then they're gonna have a field day. And that's why I reckon Rioli or a you know, a Shy Bolton or some a small or Shy Bolton's gonna play midfield, but even an Edwards, because they're gonna create a lot of ground ball and they, the, you know, the smalls would be absolutely feasting on it. Mm. And we go back to, you know, first three of finals, Port Adelaide smalls really did a number on Geelong's defence. So, and that was for that same theory of getting long to Marshall and Dixon and they brought it to ground or took a mark and the speed of their smalls got to work. And, you know, Geelong and even last week, you know, Cameron kicked three goals, I think, and McCarthy looked really dangerous you know, around the around the half forward. So the small the smaller forwards and the the quick sport small forwards do worry Geelong, and obviously Richmond have an abundance of them. So, Devaney, uh, value or roughy bets to keep people entertained if this does be the blowout you think it will be. Well, you can get eight dollars for Richmond at forty plus. Um, so I might be having a little nibble at that one. If you can get. Even like just a dollar eighty head to head for Richmond, still just stupid. Uh, and then yeah, I'd probably just be might take Richmond into Dusty and Richmond into Rioli for Norm Smith, and might play around the same game multi because you know that you know I reckon Rioli, Lynch, Rewalt, and probably uh, Joey, big Georgie Costanza probably will kick a goal each. See what what that's paying as well. Uh, yeah, I just I'll be. I don't think I'll be pumping too much on the footy this year just because it's, I mean, this week, because um, obviously it's Cox Plate Day and, and Manicato on the night before. So I think I'd rather save me pennies for the for the horses. Fair enough. I've got one to play around with. And I think it's just fitting because it's it's a, a better being playing around with all season. So we may as well have one last crack at it for the grand funnel. Richmond win head-to-head. Richmond win the first quarter. And ironically, I did pick the first quarter winners of last week's prelims. I just didn't pick them to win the game as well, which was a bit silly of me if you look at the stats this year. If you win the first quarter, I think you're winning the game 75% of the time. So a bit ambitious and a bit gritty for me on that one, but um, I was hunting some uh, outsiders and the unders here as well. So I don't think it'll be a blowout. Richmond, other than GOS and grand finals, they don't really blow out teams traditionally week to week. And true, maybe they blow out teams in grand finals. Maybe that's what they do. But Richmond are an unders side more often than not. So that's that's my three. Backing in the tried and tested bet, head to head, first first quarter leader, and Richmond to go under the total points of 117.5. All right, ladies and gents, that was a uh, a trying episode. We are apologised for that. We are crestfallen, but we have enjoyed this season. Uh, this unprecedented 2020 COVID season where we've been over Zoom, we've been dealing with uh, with no stats, we've been dealing with teams not being announced, we've been dealing with the AFL playing every day for 30 days at a time, but it's been good fun and it's kept us sane and hopefully we've uh, helped you guys out in your individual lockdowns. So thank you very much for another great season, Baz. 
Cheers, mate. And yeah, I, I still can't get over how teams, it's a grand final and it's Friday at 8.30 in the morning. We still haven't got teams. It's absolutely baffling. Crazy, crazy times. It's because, you know, Tomahawk has COVID and this game actually won't even go ahead. Oh, that'll be unreal. Yeah. <laughs>